At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Anyway, hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Public Access America. My name is Jason. I am going to be joined shortly by our co-host, Jeffrey, and we have some topics of the day to discuss. Some house cleaning notes. My volume, my master volume is way too loud. I'm going to adjust that. Some some house cleaning notes, you know. We had a great episode, a great week, Uh, Inspirations Beyond Disabilities and Public Access America discussed what it is to be a man. Always an interesting conversation, and I hope you take that into your life as a female or a male or as a non-binary individual in America. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a human? What does it mean to be you? Anyway, thank you for listening. You can find Public Access America on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, Player FM, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, and one of our favorites, Radio Public. And if you're visually impaired, check us out on Victor Reader. That's what it's all about, audio for the blind, right? Anybody can listen to a podcast. Public Access America is Public Access America is hosted by Red Circle. So if you have a podcast that you want to, well, I'm sitting here thinking, what is Jeffrey? Sorry. He beeped in, but then uh, he is not back. (laughs) Anyway, Public Access America is hosted by Red Circle. So if you have a podcast that you want to post up for free and earn incentives while you build your audience, Red Circle might be the way to go. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think, feel. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, And each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people and another 10. We did not know each other. And we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who was taking donations from the NRA, shame on you. I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believed them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if we could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen. And here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. 
There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless America. May God bless America. May God bless America. First time caller? <laughs> Wait a minute. Your voice sounds familiar. Hey, what's up? Yo. Welcome back to Sleepless in Seattle. My name is Jason. I'm joined by Jeffrey. <laughs> Who's also sleepless in Seattle, but more like sleepless right? in the suburbs. Right. And you are exactly right. This isn't our day jobs. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this is this is what we do. You know? And I just, I don't know. There's a direction we're trying to go, and that's why we keep doing what we're doing. But welcome. Welcome back. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> So I've been trying to like fine tune more of our format so that people know what to expect, you know, when they come on the show. And chaos. since we record, just yeah, chaos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we record for two hours, but the first hour is our Sunday broadcast. So what I was hoping is that we could do like a week wrap up and review, and then the second hour just go on to our normal, you know, weird and wildness and funness and all that stuff. Oh yeah. And then if there's anything to elaborate from the first hour, of course, because what fascinates me, Jeffrey, is that the the art, the article from Monday about Cuba and the protests and the revolt, you're not hearing about that today. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Cuba cut off the social media. They're the only people to offer broad, broadband. The government is. And it seems like Democrats are saying we want to support the people, but we're going to turn people away because what we don't support what's going on we don't support the government of course but Mm -hmm. we support the people but we're going to turn the refugees away as they come to america that seems seems weird to me and then as a side note for all of you republicans cuba isn't socialist it's communist (laughs) yes it's like sometimes y'all really need to learn the definition of what socialism is versus what communism is venezuela is socialist cuba is communist right granted that's that's not a far jump from one to the other Uh, What is it? Karl Marx said that socialism is the step between mm -hmm. uh, democracy and communism. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's It's, close enough. It's the slippery slope, right? It's it's close enough. And, and, and democratic socialism isn't even close to what socialism is and even further away from what communism is. Right. You know, and and, all that is, so far from fascism, <laughs> you know what I mean? which we had uh, four years of. So pretty much, you know, so yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the whole issue on Cuba is uh, how do you even begin to, to describe what is happening there without touching on 60 years, 70 years worth of history? Mm. Well, there's, there's two philosophies, either flood them with democracy or choke them out of any economic market. Mm-hmm. 
and you know the things that have typically propped up Cuba's government is number one. Uh, you know, I, if I remember correctly, Cuba has a lot of maintenance contracts with North Korea. Mm. And uh, I want to say it wasn't even all that long ago, maybe 2015 or something like that, where a North Korean ship got busted because they had a bunch of old Soviet uh, airplane stuff uh, that was headed to Cuba mm-hmm. for maintenance. And that's, well, we, we say it's illegal. So... Mm-hmm. Okay, we say it's illegal. Mm-hmm. We say it's illegal. I, I'm just going to leave it at that because uh, whether or not it is illegal, I mean, we say it's illegal. Mm-hmm. I think it's just it's fascinating to me that there's no Castro in office now, and the protest people are starting to pay attention. I am all in favor of the people of Cuba. I think we should take as many Cubans refugees as possible and choke the government out of any tax revenue by taking all of their people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and that's, you know, and, and that's been a semi philosophy for a while is, you know, mm-hmm. you, when you look at any major political opponent, what you end up finding is a brain drain when you have an, a, a very oppressive regime. You right. saw that with you saw that with the Nazi regime. You saw that with the Soviets. You've seen that with any number of governments around the world. And I would argue that even in the United States, we saw that for a while. We saw a significant brain drain where you just I'm not saying we're not seeing it at this moment. I'm it's I wouldn't say things are coming back, but things aren't looking as bleak as they were. I mean, if you would have told me four years ago that we would have had this vaccine race that we were having, I would have laughed you out of the building because, Mm -hmm. you know, people were the anti-science, anti-learning, anti-education mindset that has seemed to have taken over is... It yeah. reads like a bad 80s movie plot line. Nerd! Right. It's battle of the narratives. You know what I mean? Right. Who can spin the story? Like, I was thinking to myself, I don't mind a media that, like, gets a story accurate and, and has both opposing opinions like they used to do before Reagan eliminated that. And then I don't even mind a media that slightly spins it their way. If Fox wants to tell a story one way and CNN another, that's fine. But to actually give me the story as it's spinning, I think is it's just disjointing to, to people listening to the news these days because they don't, they're not even being told the facts. They're being told a narrative in real time as it's being written. Well, that's, and that's the problem with the 24 hour news cycle though, mm-hmm. is, is that, you know, when you, like we've talked about, when you can only air the news four times a day, there's mm-hmm. an emphasis on getting as much fact as you can loaded into a segment, and you're going to have to move on from there. But now it's like, here's a little fact, and here's, you know, an entire hour of my opinion on a fact, and we're going to exactly. bring in somebody else who's got an opinion on my opinion on the fact. And breaking news last hour, somebody had an opinion. We're going to play a clip of that. Yeah, I mean that's and that's to me the 24-hour news cycle is something that has completely devastated what journalism actually is. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I rip on Fox for calling itself news when it's you know literally uh, incorporated as an entertainment company. Right. There's but no I difference would, between Tucker Carlson and Homer Simpson to me. But I would also argue that 
there's no difference between what Fox News is doing and what MSNBC, CNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS is doing either. When you have these 24-hour news cycles, you're not getting you're not getting 24 hours worth of breaking actual factual things happening. Right. Because let's let's be real honest here. If if we're having things happen constantly 24/7, that's a bad day. You think about that. That's a really bad day. That's like, yeah. that's, you know, for, for the Americans in the audience, that's your, that's your nine 11. Yeah. Every it day. shouldn't, it shouldn't be that. Like well, if, if something's yeah. going on, like, like if there's a new war, I expect there to be coverage. If, you know, like if mm-hmm. we end up sending troops into Haiti, I would expect there to be coverage, a lot of coverage mm-hmm. on that. Because, you know, that's you need to have that level of insight into what the hell the American government is doing. But when you don't have that happening and you just have this constant somebody's got to be on the air with their mouths moving so that way we can get to the commercial break. Right. That's a problem. That's a real problem. And well, and I and and I feel that you know it's easy to rip on Fox News for how they do it because their stuff's just batshit crazy. Right. But the left side isn't any better. I would say the left side is slightly better, but it's all opinion at some point. I think I think it's okay to have a talking mouth 24 hours. It's what you're covering and like they always say, you know, car car accidents and fires get attention, right? But nobody spends a half hour of their hour on the grassroots efforts being created. Nobody's getting uh I don't activist from Oklahoma that's doing good work in their community on there to have like a longer discussion. There's a, there's a guy that does the independent American and I invited him on and I was like, MSNBC offers you 30 seconds every week to discuss an issue that they're discussing. You're just supposed to validate their point. You could come on my show and we would talk for an hour because I can't represent disabled veterans. You can. And I need somebody to show that intersectionality that dis- disabled people are also veterans and also black and also Asian and also LGBT, you know, right. and that's where you should start coming to terms with voting rights. Like mm-hmm. Al Sharpton screaming that black people are being affected. Yes, that's right. But Al, you need to understand there's a bigger coalition building behind you and you're just kind of out of date with your activism thinking, you know? Well, and, and that's just it is, it's like, when it comes to voting, voting should be, you know, an American issue. And and this is something mm-hmm. that I actually thought about too. It's like, you know, when it came down to uh, not wanting certain people to vote, it used to be that the Democrats were the party that kept people from voting. Right. That's the crazy part in all of this. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and once again, that's, that. that's flipped again. You know, now it's the Republicans trying to keep people from voting. And it's like, look, I don't know why it couldn't, I don't know why there's, there's, there's no good reason why it can't be as simple as you send out ballots to the house, everybody fills out their stuff and you get transport to go do, you know, for, you figure out how to get transport to the disabled, the elderly, the affected, and you have an actual place where you show up ID card, your filled out ballot, you put it in, it gets tabulated, you get your receipt of how you voted. Yep. It, exactly. it really, it really is simple, but politics makes it complicated because, mm. you know, <clears throat> when it comes to your rights, your ID check is going to be what basically says, yeah, you can vote. No, you can't. 
Right. And honestly, if Republicans were to take that up and make it as simple as possible and focus their efforts on how little government, small government, less government, less spending is the solution, I honestly think that Democrats would struggle to get elected. I agree. I think the more people that vote, the more people would want a middle of the road government as opposed to a, you know, radical one on either side. What amazes me, Jeffrey, and I thought about this earlier in the week, I know we're still on Cuba, but if Republicans are telling their voters that elections are bad and not valid, so you shouldn't vote, and then they're telling them, we're going to suppress every every vote we can democrat and republican and just hope more republicans come out and then you say don't trust the vaccine and people are dying because of it who's going to be left to vote republican it's a great question you know it's 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 a it's a it's a fantastic effort on your voter suppression of your own party i would say Right. And how come nobody understands that or sees that, you know? It, because the Republican Party is not the Republican Party that you and I grew up with. Straight, right. Straightforward. It, it, I mean, if if you would have told me that the Republican Party would have gone even further away from Reagan than what, you know, the, la- the Bushes did, yeah. I would have been like, I don't see how. I mean, I would have been wrong. wrong. You know, and, and so... Like, that's the biggest problem. The Republican Party is not about little government and small spending. They're just about different government and different spending. Right. I think I realized that uh, Republicans figured out how to streamline the government. And if they don't have to deal with the people and their issues, man, they can run a tight ship. You know what I mean? If all they have to do is take care of theirs and their own and let their own take care of the people... Mm-hmm. and the government just takes care of the influential, then, yeah, you've just streamlined the gut budget. You don't have to take care of people anymore. Right. And I think that's where they're headed. And I watched a movie called Mississippi Burning, and most of it was just disgusting. But the truth is, is in 1964, racism, you could show it easier. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there was a phrase that came to my head, and it was Anglo-Saxon democracy. Mm-hmm. And... It made me realize that certain portions of this country believe that white men made democracy for other white men Mm -hmm. and everybody else is just here to support that practice. And so everybody else, when they said all men, they didn't mean all men. They meant all men that were considering people and nobody was a person except for a white male. And so I think the South is going on this belief that it's an Anglo-Saxon democracy. And why can't you see that? You know, hilarious in and of itself, because, because Anglo, if you, if you think about Mm Anglo-Saxons, Anglo-Saxons only existed under a monarchy. They didn't have a democracy. That's the funny part about it. That's like just a basic lack of understanding. Democracy itself is is a is a Greek con, uh, contrived uh, right. system of government, and that's what's funny about it. Right. That's what's funny about it is there is no there is no Anglo-Saxon there is no Anglo-Saxon democracy. They had no. an Anglo-Saxon monarchy that actually existed. I think Sweden still does. <laughs> Sweden, well, in Sweden, they're not Anglo-Saxon. 
Right. But I think I think that's what the South is going on, is that minorities aren't people. And why do you keep wanting their opinion? And I don't think they, I think they're just, they don't get it that on average, they're the minority as a human on this planet. White people are the minority. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and, and fundamentally speaking, like, the the better the more people you have in your democracy the better it is i mean the that's mm-hmm. that's the very concept is something that we've fought other nations on time and time again whether it's fascist or communist right the idea is is that you know a, an open democracy is far better than any sort of autocratic rule period end of story Love that. So, so as far as Cuba, we should flood the market with democracy then. And and this is this is where things get difficult because if you you know, you're either going to have to pull enough people away from Cuba in order to completely cripple it, mm-hmm. or you got or you have to support and prop up the democracy. Either way, I would argue in, entails the United States getting involved in another country's yeah. stuff. And and that's the tough part. I I would be curious to find out how many people of Cuban descent or Cubans that live in the United States would love to go home if yep. their country was a, democra- a democracy. I believe that. I totally believe that. I feel and all these protests not- came about because of the ineffectuality of the government to maintain health care. Cuba has one of the highest... Uh, rated healthcare systems in Latin America and it's failing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's real issues that people are talking about. It's not just, oh, we're being oppressed. It's this government can't function correctly to support the people, you know? And that's, you saw that with the Soviets, you know, yeah. at the end of their reign. And so the question is, is, you know, do we change the status quo knowing that things are, are starting to really break down? Because right. Because, you know, the Soviets, they couldn't keep food, they couldn't keep health care, they couldn't keep up with housing, and that all failed, and it all shuttered. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that we've spent so much money on some of these other projects, like, you know, the 20-year war in Afghanistan, right. that it's I'm surprised that we've honestly been able to keep up in some regards, but looking at it our system is entirely different we don't rely on the government to direct everything right so and we really shouldn't tell people what to do person to person that doesn't work and government to government it doesn't work no but i do like the idea of putting um state department officials in there um what i can't remember what they're called damn it diplomats diplomats putting diplomats in there and saying well here's the situation here's the options the way i see it and in talking to the guy and explaining to him why democracy is a better alternative than his oppressive autocracy. And in that, you can lead lead them like a dog with a treat to democracy. Well, and you know, and that's just it is like every you know, all the you know, all the people that have managed to make it from Cuba to the United States, they know how much better it is here. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. Right. The question really is, is how can you make it so that way it's better in Cuba for Cubans? And, right. and, and like anything else, the people have to be in charge of their own uh, government and the people have to be the ones that reach the conclusions of what's going to happen. We're watching that play out in Afghanistan right now. 
Right. It's like you have Maybe. to have self you, know. you have to have self-determination to do the thing that you're going to do. And our job really just needs to be, you know, to make sure that things don't go haywire. Like right. That it doesn't spill out of the bucket. It doesn't become a genocide. Right. But that's not our place. That's NATO's place. Exactly. But you know, who's NATO gonna lean on? Who's right next door? Let's be realistic. I, you know what? I don't care. I mean, if they need to lean on us, that's fine. But it should go through NATO, NATO, and the UN. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be America making these unilateral decisions anymore. So here's my question then: If you know, because because as somebody who does not does not like bureaucracy, mm-hmm. if we're you know if we're in the midst of a genocide, if if we knew that there was a genocide on the level of the Holocaust. Right. Should we have to sit down and wait for the United Nations to agree that, oh, maybe we should send in some peacekeeping forces? I like having perspectives, like you were saying. A government should be a collection of perspectives. And Absolutely. I like having I like having that. It doesn't mean we have to listen to them and say, you know, we don't have to go along with it. If we see something really bad and they don't want to do anything about it, we can be the United States again. But I think giving a, the other countries a major role in these decisions will increase their involvement in it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I think that's important because there might be a genius from Morocco that sees the Afghanistan solution in a way we don't. And I want to hear from him, but if he's, if he just spits out potato, 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 I want to move on from him. (laughs) Right. Well, and and I would, and I would say that the difference between Afghanistan and and a genocide is, is that, you know, when it comes to self-determining rule, at some point, you know, the Afghan people have to decide, are they going to live under the Taliban or are they going to take up arms and fight the Taliban? And right. it has to be, it has to be Afghanistan that comes up with that. If it's, you know, if it were something like the the Taliban were just, you know, systematically killing an entire group of people. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a different story. Because the numbers are 33 million people in Afghanistan, 300,000 Afghan fighters and 70,000 Taliban fighters. Mm -hmm. So if the people rose up and, and supported the Afghan soldiers, then they could do something. But right now the Taliban is taking the easy territory and empty mountainous and plain Mm -hmm. ranges. It's not like they're attacking Kabul, the only real major city in Afghanistan. And, and that's just it is, is that, you know, Afghanistan has to figure out that on its own. Mm-hmm. If they want, if, if, if they want to have, you know, a place where the Taliban has its own autocratic, autocratic rule. Yeah. Great. If, you know, the, if the, if the Afghan government decides that they're going to, you know, send in and collect, you know, area upon area and deal with the Taliban. Great. But we spent 20 years doing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say for the record, all of the people that are, all the Republicans who said that pulling out of Afghanistan was a great thing when Trump was president and are now saying that it's not a great thing mm-hmm. because Biden's doing it and the way that he's doing it is so sloppy. I want those people to keep in mind Trump's plan was to be out three months ago. So you tell me how that actually would have looked if you and think this is chaos with uh, a four month uh, extension on, on the plan. 
Well, the issue is the interpreters and the people that supported us in Afghanistan and the fact that Biden isn't getting them out fast enough. They're going to be out by the end of the month, but they've been in danger for the past two months. Like They've been in danger for the past 20 years. And the reality is is that we've pulled out. Now they have no protection. They have no soldier to hide behind and they're being attacked and killed and we need to get them out immediately. And what would have happened under Trump? But Trump had no solution for the interpreters and the people that supported us. He wanted to leave them there and let them die. He's trying to denaturalize citizens that live here now <laughs> in his turn. Right. And he so, was not looking to bring in more immigrants. And Guam is happy to bring 18,000 interpreters and in support to their country to keep them safe. And Joe Biden isn't responding to that at all. And that pisses me off. Mm -hmm. It pisses me off that those people are sitting there trying to figure out how to get from the edge of Afghanistan to the center of it to take a commercial flight to the United States when they could have just been bussed over to Guam by a military jet or a military cargo ship. And that just bugs me. Oh, absolutely. And and this is this is where the Democrats have entirely failed is, is mm-hmm. that, you know, part of this withdrawal solution had to be getting people out. And I guarantee you that there were places that were going to be more than willing to take Afghan nationals that that served and helped the United States military. I mean, oh, yeah. let's 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 be realistic in, in the one thing. There's nothing more American. If, if we're going to go the patriotism route, there's nothing more than American than being willing to assist the American military at the cost of knowing the cost could be your own life. That yeah. is, uh, uh, that's an American sacrifice. And the fact that neither of these parties have been willing to right. see it in that realm, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's a real problem. That's because one side sees it as obstruction and the other side sees it as hand-wringing. Democrats aren't used to accomplishing things. They're used to wringing their hands and saying it can't be done. So that's what they're doing when they have the power to do something. And Republicans are happy to obstruct everything from Mr. Potato Head to Afghan interpreters. And the Capitol Police, let's not forget, they don't want to fund the Capitol Police or acknowledge their heroism. Nice to see the conservatives are finally on board with defund the police. Yeah, it's just... It's a real, real weird world we're living in. And so but that's, I think that's, we should that's the Cuban people. So with the Cuban people, you know, it's mm-hmm. how how do we help them get to the point that when when their own democracy is able to stand up, right. that they're best able to serve their country. And and that's gonna be the real issue that's at hand. And unless there is enough unless enough people are done with Cuba's communist government, mm-hmm. I don't know that there's much else that we can do that wouldn't necessarily qualify as full-scale intervention well, other than what we're doing right now. And what we're doing right now is still intervention. Let's, let's not twist that in any way, shape or form, Yeah, but it's not, it's not boots on the ground. We, we, we feel that we, we need, we get an opinion on everything, you know, Americans feel that we get an opinion on everything. It's that privilege, you know, but what I think I tell my friends, I'm here, I'm happy to help you. If you need help, I'm here. Right. But I don't sit there and stare at them and say, you need help now. Do you need help now? Do you need help now? So I think I'll try and help my best. If anybody from Cuba wants to talk for an hour about what's going on in Cuba, Hey, we're at publicaccessamerica@gmail.com. You know, you can find us on Instagram at publicaccessamerica and send us an email. Any way you want to get a hold of us, you are happy 
we would be happy to have you on as well as Puerto Rico, by the way, we're looking for people in Puerto Rico to talk to too. Absolutely. It's not, it's not about our perspective. I can look at something and say, there's the issue, but somebody on the ground that's been living it their whole life, they see it a different way. And I want to know what, what is best for the people, what they need. Do they need activists to come down and train them to be activists or do they need something different do they need to be taught how to be politicians maybe they should be in force running for office i always had a dream that one day every voting aged american would run for president <laughs> you know and and that's i i mean i i wish that i wish that it wasn't you know how much fundraising you could do i think mm. that i think that whoever figures out how to use social media best mm-hmm. in, in in my generation and younger is going to be the one who raises the least amount of money for political mm-hmm. campaigns, but connects with the most people yep. right now. The danger is, is that it's going to be celebrities. And I think that that's, that's a problem in and of itself because, mm. you know, we've, we've already had the celebrity president and that was garbage. I think the next president's going to be an a- activist. It's going to be an activist president from one of the, one of the groups, uh, Letitia James, maybe, you know what I mean? From, uh, the me too movement and stuff. My, my hope is, is that whoever it is really, really takes a hard look at, you know, what the justice system looks like and how, how do we, how do we move away from this department of punishments model? Because this isn't working. It isn't working. It's not. So, so how about Tuesday? Tuesday, I learned that Moderna is looking to create a vaccine that contains things for the flu, Zika, HIV, and even cancer. They're looking to give us one shot a year to um, prevent all of these radical diseases. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's overreaching? Do you think they're trying to secure their spot in the world for profits? Or do you think that they're just trying to throw as much into there so they can get that microchip without anybody noticing? Mm, you know, as much as I would like it to be the microchip thing, which mm. is cyan, it's 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 like not even a good Jules Verne steampunk <laughs> science realm. Right. I I think that in I think that it's an ambitious goal. Me too. Uh, but I I I think that I think that there's going to be some lessons that get learned that are are going to make things a little bit more difficult. Viruses uh, are are one thing because you can figure out what the what protein stands out the most that right. is different from proteins in our body and be able to program your body to say if you find that protein go get it. It's mm-hmm. very easy to do. Cancers are a little bit difficult just because it's, you know, they are a part of our body. It's just finding out what part of their makeup is just different enough. So with, that way the what, body goes. What is in common? What's in common with all cancers and then attack that? If there is something in common. And if that's, there is. And that's right. the, uh, and that's the difficult part is like, we've only genomed, we've only finally genomed a g- gene sequence, the human genome. Mm-hmm. So now when you think about all of the cancers that are out there, that's, that's a lot of information. You know, I just had a memory pop up here, uh, not that long ago, uh, about my cousin Ty's passing 13 years ago. He was five years old when he passed from Hmm. leukemia and 
you think about some of the things that you hope to see uh, developed first. Um, you know, the idea that, you know, I would love to see breast cancer be one that gets taken care of. I would love mm -hmm. to see leukemia be one that gets taken care of. I would like yeah. to see, I would like to see some of these, these cancers that are affecting the younger people get taken care of first. Cancer, pancreatic and uh, prostate, that would be big too. Yeah. Um, and I, and I do believe that we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I think that it's going to take a little bit more time because, you know, for example, the question that I think any scientist is going to have is Jason, if you and I both had prostate cancer, is our cancer the same? I think, well, that's what I'm saying. If you took the ingredient breakdown of cancer and there was a hundred things that went into it, there might be four that are in common with both. Right. You know? And that's, and that's what we don't know yet. And that's, right. that's really what, what we have to find out. So I think it's, I think it's an ambitious goal. I think that mm -hmm. it's not quite there yet. Unlike viruses, you know, that tend to have the same structures that we know. Right. And, and I, I think that we'll find that out with cancer uh, too, as we start to really dig into this. It's just that we have a lot more, we have a lot more time really studying viruses and their, in their right. structural makeup. So to me, like the fact that, you know, even Pfizer's already working on their HIV trials. Uh, yeah. Get Moderna involved in the HIV trials. I think that that would be absolutely fantastic. Me I think, too. I think, uh, you know, things, you know, HIV, you know, HIV really is, does a number, the flu virus, uh, Duke's pan coronavirus vaccine they're working on. That's fantastic. Right. Um, and and any other number of of viruses out there that you know can be absolutely horrible yeah. like i you know as much of an inconvenience as it is i think a herpes vaccine would be fantastic yeah uh, MRSA, the skin eating stuff MRSA wow, is a let's fantastic get rid of one. that right now you know seriously you know and so gingivitis let's get rid of that <laughs> i think that i think that when it comes when it comes down to it are, are these companies eventually going to you know make their big money off of it absolutely they're going to make huge I money off so. of this stuff but at the same time too like the idea that you know the idea that you know these companies are going to come out and charge you know a thousand bucks a vaccine i mean here's the question if you're an insurance company and you know that treating a cancer patient for a type of cancer that their family has is going to cost you a quarter of a million dollars, or you mm -hmm. can pay a thousand dollars for a vaccine. I guarantee you insurance is going to cover the cost of a vaccine. Mm. And I guarantee you that if Moderna wants to play it wisely, rather than having to hope, you know, rather than having to wait for all of these insurance companies to do that, that they will just say, you know what, the cost of our vaccine is 50 bucks. Mm, I think so. I think what they should do is they should license it and take a penny percentage off of every vaccine, Absolutely. no matter where it is in the world. Absolutely. And, and give the technology to Africa. For God's sake, give it to Africa. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, <laughs> The, you know, the idea that, you know, there isn't a model out there that these companies couldn't be profitable off of the vaccines while still treating people, right. you know, if you think about it is, is that 
Imagine, imagine if you didn't have to have insurance because you knew you had a genetic disp- uh, disposition for a specific cancer. Right. Imagine if, you know, imagine, I mean, I like the idea of sticking it to the insurance companies with these vaccines. I think it's fantastic. Right. So Moderna could make itself a major player. Pfizer already is a major player. Right. Any of these other companies that decide that they want to get into the game, I think that having companies, multiple companies do multiple vaccines, or even if the yes. company said, hey, you know what, focus your resources on HIV. I want you to focus on Zika. Hey, you focus on meningitis. Yes. If they could get together like a board and just like maintain that, right. And but that's collusion, isn't it? But I think what uh, I they, mean, car- what should, cartel would probably be your your closer. But if you're licensing it to everybody, they're kind of working for you, which means all of their advances, kind of like how China takes half of our right. intellectual property. Moderna could say, "We want your intellectual property because we're going to give that to everybody else." And like, if you discover something in Denmark, we're going to help people in China by giving them that information too. And we're all just going to make a penny off of everything we all produce together. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there's a way to do it and and make sure that you have your, your resources, your developmental resources spread, but allow production resources to go through the roof. Like there's no reason why Moderna couldn't be the one that develops the Zika virus vaccine, but you know, Pfizer, Moderna, um, Johnson and Johnson, you know, mm-hmm. European agencies, African agencies, South American agencies. There's why why you couldn't have them producing all of it. Chinese agencies, Russian agencies, right? You know, in an, in a lot of ways, basically, then what you do is you you cut off the market. What is what's Russia going to do when you know, literally, all they have to do is buy the patent you know, for right. a penny, a penny a shot or, or a dollar a yeah. shot. Yeah. Go online and see the ingredient list, you know, and go, right. okay, here it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Here's how you produce it. Boom. Wait. So you mean yeah. we don't have to spend a billion dollars in research and development? No, it's nope. going to be, you've got a population of 140 million people. That's, you know, a shot for each person. That's $140 right. million. Dollars. But do me a favor, take that billion dollars you were going to spend and advance further instead like, of trying to catch up to the world advance further with it we're gonna get we're, everybody's gonna be at the starting line now go every right time. and and that's the thing is is like the idea too that you know these shots are going to be one and done that's that's not how most shots work no. you know whether you know whether you're going to be you know getting a shot every year every five years every 10 years it's hard to say mm-hmm. i mean like like the tetanus shot for example you get that one every 10 years in fact i'm pretty sure that i'm up for getting my tetanus shot I should probably yeah do that. i always do <laughs> I always do. I'm always working with <laughs> rusty shit, so it, I should probably do that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's a model out there where research gets to be research and production still gets its, you know, benefit in ter- in the profit side of things, but instead of having, you know, Pfizer dedicating like nine different, you know, small research companies to trying to figure things out. Now it's like, Hey, let's have one or two big research groups that are focusing on these two things. Moderna, one or two big Mm -hmm. research groups that are focused on these things. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or in case of an emergency, everybody all hands on deck work towards this. Like we did, you know, know, like we did with COVID. Yeah. Because somebody brought this thing up that uh, George Bush did. 
George Bush realized that one in three people in Africa had AIDS and he developed a program to cure that. And we did that. We did that fast. And that agency is still around. We could very easily just inoculate all of Africa in the next six months. We, we have the power to do that as a country and we, we need to do that. But we, we also need to give them the intellectual rights so that they can create it themselves in their own, in their own regions. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And not be dependent on some global cabal to be cured. <laughs> right. You know, and that's, and that's, and I think, you know, that's where the free market comes into play is, is that, right. you know, the idea that people are going to take your vaccine, if it's a thousand bucks a pop, not going to be very realistic. People taking right. your vaccine, if it's a, if it's 50 bucks a pop, more realistic, 25 bucks a pop, even more realistic. And the fact of the matter is, is that the cheaper that you make it, the more likely it's going to be taken. And the reality is, is that it's going to be taken off. And these are things that are going to be in, in perpetuity. These aren't things that are going to be like one and done. Okay. Now we're going to shelve that for the rest of our lives. Right. No, I get it. I just wish there was, I think the battle is corporate ethics or government pushing ethics on corporations. And I think everything is falling down to that. Either govern yourself or the government is going to come in and fuck with you. And I don't want that. Predatory you know, capitalism so. and predatory government is what it really is. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, a balance, the it's, it's a balance between the two. We've seen predatory corporations since the 80s. And I think people are just numb to it. But that's not the way it works. You've been, you've been sucking money out of communities like a vacuum. It's time you start putting that money back in or taking it at a lesser rate, please. You know, <laughs> well, it, it, take it at a rate that's not that's going to be more sustainable. Like, that's right. the thing. Please. Realistically speaking, like, like you said, it's these vaccines are not going to be one and done. So it's not let's try and, you know, make a thousand bucks a shot off of these things. It's right. that people are going to be taking these things, you know if if not once a year once every five years there's seven billion people on the planet if you got a penny from each one of those people every year you would be making tons of profit and you would be just great well and that's you know especially at once a year you know right so i you know and and i think that's i think that it's it's doable it's easy there's Me a model too. there and and it allows it allows pfizer and moderna to just be research companies yeah and still grow so i'm Absolutely. excited i'm excited that this is actually an age that i'm living in and i'm i did reach out to dan just so you know and he is he's being um sent out the national guard is sending him out to i think there's hot spots around the country COVID hot spots and mm -hmm. as as a scientist he is out there battling it for the national guard i'm not going to say where he is but it isn't where you would think <laughs> well, well, Dan, uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully you're doing well out there and we'll miss you, buddy. We'll, uh, catch up with you when we get to. And he always wonders why I call him my hero. You know what I mean? I always say that you can have heroes like Kim Kardashian and never meet them or never get to know them. Or you could make your hero like an infectious disease doctor and, and just, you know, talk to him all the time. I love that. You're oh. my hero. And I love the fact that I get to talk to you all the time, you know? You know, and that's the thing is like, you know, 
as as somebody who's a, sci- a scientist, like someone like Dan is absolutely somebody I look up to simply because he, you know, getting the cushy research job is always something that everybody thinks is, you know, mm-hmm. where the glory is. This dude is literally being sent into the trenches. Right. He went, he, you know, after 1-6, he was a National Guard that stood in front of the Capitol to ensure its safety. I mean, Dan was there with a gun protecting our capital. And then he went back to Pennsylvania and saved lives by being a, an infectious disease expert. I just think, and then he goes home and he gets married, you know, and, his, and he, he's just a hero to his wife. I just think he's, he's, he's a good guy. I like, really, I'm like, really like, good. like that's, that's the definition of being an American right there. Right. Like, that's the definition of being an American. You know, that's, you know, protecting democracy, protecting the civilian population. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's really what I would like our military to be doing period. End of story all the way around. And, 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 and Dan is living proof that it's possible. Yeah. So Dan. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, we will catch up with you soon, Dan. I hope so. So Wednesday, vice president, Kamala Harris met with disability advocates to discuss voting. And I was so excited about this, Jeffrey, because, okay, I kind of watch two news shows. One is a Republican based one and one is more of a democratic, right? And on, on the democratic one, Rachel Maddow, she said, Oh, this voting rights thing is disproportionately affecting black people and disabled people. And I was like, what the fuck did she just say? Cause nobody said that. And then she went on to say it again. And then on the Republican one, they did 20 minutes on the fact that voting suppression is affecting us like disabled people. Mm-hmm. And the way somebody said it was so smart. What, what, Republicans are taking away our reasonable accommodations to us. What their options to you, a Dropbox or a ride or support or mail-in voting or online registering, those are reasonable accommodations that the government has provided to the disabled community. And you can't just take a, a you can't take that away. You can't just take a reasonable accommodation. Once you offer it, it's ours. And I think this is a real smart argument for some of the voter suppression that people are really missing. I think that's a fantastic argument. As as somebody who's done ADA work in the past, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think that's a brilliant argument. And it's a, you know, a lot of the time, some of the ways that some laws get kept and some laws get tossed. Uh, mm-hmm. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was notorious. Uh, the, the, the method in which, you know, it wasn't like, how is this going to affect me as a woman? It was, how is this going to affect you as a white dude? And all of a right. sudden it was like, Oh shit, we can't do that. That's what I keep yelling to Al Sharpton, like build a coalition. Don't shrink your coalition. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and so, so the fact that they're sitting down and saying, Hey, you know, this is going to affect, you know, people with mobility issues. That's right. the disabled. That's the elderly. Oh shit. That's right. Yeah. As well as those frontline workers working 12 hours a day, as well as the overnight shift people, as well as hardworking Republicans. You know what I mean? As well as Democrats. There is no race or point of origin to disability. It's all over the place. And mm-hmm. I think it's a real smart argument. And I think I, I think it is disproportionately meant to affect Democratic brown voters. 
But I think what it's what's happening and what they're going to realize is that it's affecting, like I said earlier, Republican voters in a major way, and it's pushing Democrats to get out. But I can't vote if I can't get to the voting station because I'm blind. And I think this is smart. I think Absolutely. It's smart. Oh, it's it's a brilliant it's a it's a brilliant uh, analysis of it. Yeah. You know, and that's I think that's been one of the biggest questions that people haven't necessarily thought as much about as they should is that some of these things make sense. Some of them don't like, I will be the first to admit that I do have somewhat of a problem of same day, same day registration, but that's not, that's not because uh, I think that there is an inherent dishonesty. I, it's more of a question of whether or not the system can keep up with same day registration. Because right. we hear about that crashing systems, right. failing machines, everything when it gets overloaded, you know, it, it has its limit. Right. So for me, like it's more of a technological standpoint. It's, you know, it's, it's more of a, can the system actually keep up and do what they say it's going to do? Because mm-hmm. I don't want people to rely on the fact that they can just show up the day that voting happens right. uh, and, and just be able to get there, get in and get it done. That's not a quick process, even when you're doing it off cycle. Like <laughs> right? it's annoying because it's like, Hey, I got to go to the DMV. Hey, I got to do all this stuff to make sure that I've got my real ID. Hey, mm-hmm. now I've got to send in all of this stuff to get my voter registration. And Hey, I got to wait to get this card. And it takes time on a good day. Yeah. Now, if they get the systems all up to date and talking and it's all running fast and you mm-hmm. have multiple redundancies built in to be able to check this stuff efficiently. So the system doesn't crash right fantastic you know there's no you know it's it's the same idea that you can go shopping with your credit card or your debit card and go to pay for your stuff and it checks your bank account going yeah you got enough money to get this no no you don't right it's it's no different and as long as the system is capable of handling that great yeah and um, that's my that's my issue with Medicare for all as well. It's not that I think that people shouldn't get Medicare, but it they should know what they're doing and what they're getting and what they're paying for and the limitations of it. And then they should try and reform that process so it works for everybody before they just try and dump people onto it. Right. And that's and that's really that's really the the trick about it is is that yeah. I don't understand why we can't just stay registered till we unregister or register somewhere else. I just don't understand why we have to go through the process of that. If yeah. I have a if I have an ID that's up to date, I should be registered. Well, and and this is where I think, you know, within the state has its own issues. Like for example, yeah. you know, who you're going to vote for uh to be your senator or your house rep or your state senators or your state reps, because like getting all of that taken care of is a pain in the ass on a good day. Right. Things like voting for president, on the other hand, it really shouldn't matter where you live. It should be, are you a citizen? Yes or no. Right. As long as you you have some sort of ID that says who you are, then yeah. Right. And you know, and I know we've talked about whether or not, you know, people that have had their civil rights removed uh, should be able to vote. That's, that's a tough subject, but the at a base level, it just has to be, well, it's a tough subject for a lot of people. I think that it happens to be, I think that the argument happens to be 
flawed in that the the idea that you can't vote like i i do believe that there are certain things you shouldn't be able to do if even depending on what level of crime you've committed but change your future isn't one of those things you shouldn't be able to do somebody whose rights are suppressed has all the more right to vote to me they they somebody that's incarcerated has an active need to want to change the system whereas somebody that's rich does not and i think we're we're spending too much time paying attention to the rich instead of to the people that need change you right know? you know and and for example like somebody who's on death row why shouldn't they be allowed to vote for a president based on whether or not they're going to uh pause right. federal uh federal death sentences like I which mean, uh garland has done right yep that's um and donald trump in like the last few months of his presidency killed more people than any other president in history just just to keep that in perspective you know what i mean and, and, whatever you whatever yeah. you think of a criminal they're still a human and they deserve some sort of fair treatment you know what i mean my problem with the death penalty and i've said this before isn't isn't the idea that we shouldn't be able to take a life my problem with the death penalty is the cost associated with getting someone to the the chair number one right and number two how often they get it wrong right. like i don't care if you know they get it right 96 percent of the time that means that there's four percent uh that means that that four percent of the time there's an innocent person being executed and that's a that's problem right. that's a real that's right. problem when we never we don't need to execute people to begin with yeah, especially when you look at the cost of getting someone there it doesn't make sense right you know if i kind of want a, a murderer studied you know what i mean i would I would, I would want to know, I would want to know more about him instead of leaving him in exile and never talking to him. I kind of want to know everything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know if Jeffrey Dahmer was still around. I'd still want to know every, everything that led him to that. You know, I wouldn't oh. want to just leave him isolated and go, ah, I don't want to know anything about the next guy. <laughs> I, mean? I think, I think, I think there would be a great understanding about how this stuff happens. Uh, and I yeah. think that's something that's necessary. I, I mean, mean yeah the the whole you know how we would study them is a whole interesting conversation I, involving you know involving I, I, consent I, laws and all that other fun stuff i think if we if we studied murders we would realize that if we had to make the same decision decisions they did we might make the same decision like, i have no i have no i have no qualms uh qualms I have no ideas to the contrary that given any type of certain situation, like, like if the question was somebody's in my house and it's, and it's my family or them, right? they're not walking out of here alive period. End of right. story. I, you know, that, that metric changes when it's mm -hmm. out in public, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 But the thing is, is that I, I think that, oftentimes like what we see as the reason for people ending up killing somebody i yes there are plenty of people out there that do it in malice i've seen them maybe i've met yeah, them yeah yeah but why if you if you took their life and watched how they grew up and made decisions and were taught and raised and the situations they were put in maybe after walking in their shoes for long enough you would go i get why you did it it wasn't right and you shouldn't have done it, 
but I get what led you to this. We're going to try. Oh, and absolutely. Fix it. You absolutely. know what I mean? Instead of, Oh, you're fucked because society was fucked, you know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I guarantee you that there's a lot of people out there. That's like, I guarantee you that when it came down to figuring out how to put food on the table, they made mm. choices and those choices led them down a path. Right. But also on the contrary, you have to accept that there are some people out there. That's all they want. They just want blood. And Why? when you meet those people, mm-hmm. that is an absolutely terrifying moment because, I totally agree. because I, I agree with you. There's something that should be studied there. Absolutely. Yeah, because- why but, is that person like that? And what prevented me from becoming that? What, what prevented, what prevented you from becoming it? What pushed them to becoming it? Was there even mm-hmm. a push to begin with? Right. That's what I want to know. There was a, I talked to a girl that actually genetically tested infants for this stuff for pre, pre predisposition to, um, psychopathic behaviors, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of it comes in the, in the womb. Some of these things just lay latent in the womb until something triggers it. And mm-hmm. that can go for, for a lot of personality disorders. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I find that fascinating that somebody's researching that instead of going, you bad, you die. You know? <laughs> right. And that's just it is, is like, I, there's even, even with a murderer, there's something to be learned. Yeah. You know, whether it's, whether it was justified or not, there's something mm-hmm. to be learned. And the point of you know, like you, like we said, you know, it costs too much to to murder somebody. It's let's mm-hmm. be realistic. It's state sanctioned murder. That's that's yeah. it's that's honestly what it is. Call it the death penalty. Call it whatever you want. It's state sanctioned murder. It's still murder. In, You're still actively killing moment, somebody. In the moment, it's gross as fuck. And right? like the concept of it, you're like, yes. You know, law and order. But watching somebody die, it, it's gross, and you never want to see that. You shouldn't want to see that. You shouldn't. Thank you for listening to Public Access America, by the way. We're going to be back next Thursday, so go ahead and find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and all of that. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we Live stream time, YouTube. I wanted to run out of that tunnel.
from my dad. On Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher, Radio Public, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.